Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford here in icy Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard in uh, Columbus, Ohio. I'm assuming it's cold and, and kind of gross there. How is the weather in Columbus, Dan? We've had snow on the ground for like nine days, like the forecast. I don't know. I'm sure in Louisville it's not too different, but, I mean, the forecast just looks pathetic coming up. You know, no cards, basketball in sight. It's, I mean, it's big time Sunday scaries, depression season, like in the Midwestern area. I've always kind of wondered how, like, I would get through these months, these two months specifically, like January and February. I know February is technically the shortest month of the calendar year. It always feels like the longest because the, the weather is inescapably cold. There's there's snow, there's ice, it's gross, the days are still short. I've always wondered how I would make it through these months if I didn't have Louisville basketball and, like, normal college basketball. And we're finding out here. And the answer, Dan, is not great. Uh, It is not great. No, it's not good. Definitely not great. Especially after what they taken away the tournament last year. Like my excitement was, you know, double. Even though, like, we were getting, I don't want to say a watered down product, but I mean, no fans and uh, you know all these protocols. But I mean, I I just I I thought, you know, like there, I don't know if it was a story or a rumor or whatever, but like there was going around like when we first got you know hit with this that like 90 percent of the team had it so like when it happened in december i was like all right well that's probably it for the year and this isn't going to happen again and i guess that was just me being naive and i mean there's no other way to sugarcoat it this just absolutely blows it does and it'd be it'd be one thing if you were going through this delay in the middle of the season and there was like a, a guarantee that everything was going to get back to normal. Your team was going to be back to full strength. And, you know, the, the last month and a half of the season was going to progress as, as it always does. But that's not the case. I mean, there's, there's no guarantee that there aren't going to be more interruptions or that, you know, conference tournaments are going to be unfairly affected. And you can't even break down any games just talking about the rest of college basketball because, you know, I mean, Baylor, who is, one of the two juggernauts of this season, they're on a COVID pause. They're not going to play for a week and a half. How does that affect them? It's just, it's all still such a mess. You know, we're, I guess we probably should have realized that this was at least somewhat possible last March when they canceled the tournament that, you know, that the 2020-2021 season was going to be somehow affected by this pandemic. But at the time, it was like, all right, this sucks. But at least, you know, the season's starting in November. That's far enough removed from right now. We're going to be, 
things are going to be normal. We're going to be okay, and at least we'll have that to get. It. We'll we'll embrace March Madness even more next year because we've had to go through this, and not really the case. Like it's everything still kind of sucks, and it really sucks for Louisville fans right now who are just. I mean, we're finding out what winter in this city and, and I guess across the country, if you're listening in various parts, is like without cards men's basketball, and it's 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 not great. I, and I mean, we know last year missing the tournament just the financial effect it had on the NCA and how they're going to do everything in their power to, you know, make sure the tournament happens this year. Well, I mean, what's your opinion? I, I mean, I, I, I do think it will happen, but I mean, it could, it has the potential to be a huge mess. And I mean, I don't want to be negative, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how this is going to play out. And I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm, I'm pretty nervous about it. Well, there's zero chance that they don't have the tournament. Like, there's, I'll put that at zero. They lost $800 million last year by not having the tournament. They quite literally cannot afford to have another year where they don't have March Madness in some form. So that's why I think you're going to see them be okay. Like, if a team contracts COVID in Indianapolis and, and gets to the point where they can't play a, you know, round of 32 game, a second round game on, on that Sunday or that Monday, I think that the NCAA is going to be like, okay, we just got to move on. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of flexibility where they can move a game to Tuesday or Wednesday, but I think that you know, they're kind of just going to be like, sort of how was it the the football tournaments in in high school football worked here this year, where you know if Ballard had a COVID outbreak and couldn't play on Friday, the team they were playing just advanced to the next round. I, I think you'll see them do that, but hopefully that doesn't wind up being the case. Hopefully. Once everybody gets to Indianapolis, they can bubble up and, and be safe. I mean, it just seems like such an – I don't know, I said this on – if you listen to Jeff Greer's podcast, Floyd Street's Finest, that's a shameless plug for him, uh, free plug for him. I was on yesterday, I think the episode published last night, we were talking about the same thing. And I said the simplest solution in the world is just move the NCAA tournament two weeks back from the last conference tournament so that everybody can go to Indianapolis. They're there for a full two weeks. Everybody can be you know, test positive. Any contact tracing issues can be thrown away. Any players who actually have COVID, they can get over it. Like that's the the smart way to do it. And the NCAA, for whatever reason, I, I guess it's monetary, is just simply refusing to make that logical jump. And so yeah, so, so you're you're having the possibility where these conference tournaments could result in multiple teams having COVID issues once they get to Indianapolis or before they get to Indianapolis and having their tournament games affected. But I'm hoping that. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just hoping for the best, but there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to have a tournament in some form just for the sole reason that the NCAA can't afford for there not to be one. Yeah, and I mean, I don't envy whoever these final decision makers are. If if a team or, you know, did attract COVID in, in that environment in Indy, um, I mean, the, like, Back and forth and the, the fallout from eliminating a team, I, I, you know, that played its whole season to get where it is, especially if it's like a big time team. Sure. I mean, that is just going to be, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's cliche, but it really is like the weirdest season. No one can get in the flow. I don't even know. I mean, I want to, I, I don't even know if we're good. I think we're pretty okay, but uh, we, you know, the ACC, it seems like everyone's beating each other. I mean, just it is so hard to get a feel for you know where we're at as far as you know cardinal fans right now you know judging our team yeah and i mean this is the time of the year where 
everybody likes looking at mock NCAA tournament brackets. I also like starting to look at the the ACC tournament seeding potential. And you look at the standings now, and it's like Louisville's at six and three, and there's you know, how did that compare to a a North Carolina team that's like eight and five? I, that's not the record right now, but you get what I'm saying. Where it's just impossible to project seedings right now because teams have played. There's like a, a five game differential in games played amongst some teams, and it's there's no guarantee that that's going to shake out. And in fact, with Louisville having, they've had five games postponed now. We know the Virginia Tech game is going to be played on March 3rd. There's no rescheduled date for the other four games that have been postponed. You have to assume at this point, Louisville's not going to get their full 20-game ACC schedule in. Um, you probably assume that Florida State's not going to be able to do that either, and some other teams aren't going to get there. The question becomes, like, how many games are they able to play, and, and who do they get to play? Do do does the league put a higher precedence or a higher, I guess, emphasis on playing the better teams, like getting that Louisville-Virginia game in there as opposed to that Louisville-Boston College game? I, like, there, there are so many questions about how all this works, and we are so late in the season uh, for these lingering issues still to be out there. It, I mean, it's a mess, but as long as they get to the tournament, people are going to be okay. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's the... The thing that sucks, I saw someone tweet this at you, and I apologize for not giving them credit. I don't know, remember who it was, but both pauses that we have had have come after, like, two of our better played games. Like, after, I believe, uh, the Western game and then the Georgia Tech game. And, I mean, when that, it's just so hard to get your team in a flow. I was I was really looking forward to playing Syracuse um, and beating Bayheim's ass. Did, did you see that picture of him picking his nose the other night? My God. I saw the video. Was, I mean, he looked like Harry Stamper trying to make 800 feet, like just <laughs> literally drilling down in there. I was like, Bayon, take it easy, bud. The thing is, like, how no many shame does, at all. How many times does this have to happen? Because he's aware of this at this point. Like, they, there have been videos all over the internet of him picking his nose and eating his boogers for years. There was, um, I can't remember what student section it was. I don't think it was Virginia. It may have been Pitt. may have been one of their rivals that had – remember that they had the gigantic, like, moving sign of Bayheim oh, yeah. his nose? Like, <laughs> that was classic. And, and he, like, he like laughed at it. He waved at it. So he's very aware that this is a thing. It must just be, like, one of those subconscious habits that he's had for so long that he can't control it. Like, it just, it just happens without him even knowing it because there's no other justification for consistently getting caught on national television – Picking your nose and eating your boogers. There's, it just it, it makes no sense. I mean, like you know, I, I don't think we've reached that point. I mean, I know in society, like a lot of things have grown over time that the human species is kind of accepted, but I don't know if we've reached that point, even for like someone of his age, that we're just going to let that fly, especially when you do it shamelessly and you know there's you know cameras around. You're on national television, but. Um, he, he, he seems to not really care. So I mean, I, I, there's gotta be a limit to the, I'm old and I don't give a fuck thing anymore. Yeah. Like there are certain things you can get away with. Like maybe, you know, him calling out referees in press conferences or calling out fans in press conferences. He can say, I'm, I'm 76. I, I just don't care about this stuff anymore. Or, you know, not switching from a two, three zone. I'm, I'm old. I'm set in my ways, whatever. Picking your nose and eating your boogers is something you cannot get away with at any age. It just, I mean... Maybe like in practice in front of people you're comfortable with, but certainly not on games that are going to be broadcast everywhere. Like he, he knows people are going to see this. I, I just, 
it makes no sense to me. But uh, let's uh, quick update on where the Louisville men's basketball team is right now. Last night, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, should set the table there. Last night, Wednesday night, we find out that the you know, easily predictable news, Louisville at Virginia Tech on Saturday has been postponed. They do have a rescheduled date, like we said. It's going to be Wednesday, March 3rd. Dino Gaudio was on the, the coaches' teleconference on Monday. He's also talked to the media a couple of times. I know he was on Bob Valvano's show earlier this afternoon. And based on his comments, and, and if you're not aware, I, I'm assuming everybody listening is aware, Dino Gaudio is acting as the head coach right now because Chris Mack is one of the, the people associated with the program who has tested positive for COVID-19. According to Gaudio, this whole thing started last week when the team, had, after the Georgia Tech game, had flown to Syracuse that Tuesday to play the game against the Qs on Wednesday. They get the test uh, Wednesday morning that they had taken back to Louisville, find out that one player has tested positive. That one player uh, apparently had to drive back by himself, like the 11-hour drive while everybody else flew back, um, to hopefully try to, to keep him in quarantine and away from everybody else with the program. That didn't work. Two other players have since, since tested positive. So there are three players in all sidelines. We know that two of the players are not Josh Nickelberry and Aiden Gahan because Gaudio said that both those guys should be able to return to practice. Um, the guys who are healthy went through individual workouts on Wednesday. And then Thursday, today, first team practice was back. There were, again, some players who could not participate, but they're at least getting back and trying to do some things. My understanding, if you're talking about like who the guys who are out right now, I don't think that there is a starter that's in that group of three. Um, there is a, a key reserve. I, I, I feel weird about naming names. I think most people, the, the name has been floating around of the player who tested positive the first time. Uh, it is a key reserve. The other two guys um, also you know, kind of get minutes. But I, I think my whole point is this. If Louisville is able to get back on the floor, say, like next Wednesday, and the three guys who currently are out are still out, they'll be in decent enough shape. You'd, you'd love to be at full strength, but I, I think you'll see the primary guys, the guys who have accounted for most of, of Louisville's wins this season, most of their production, will be good to go. And that's kind of where we are right now. Um, Dino Gaudio said he observed some of the guys shooting around and doing some drills a couple of days ago, and it was obvious that they're not in great playing shape, which, I mean, that's the thing. If you don't keep it up, if you take a week off, it's amazing how quickly you can lose the legs that you've built up over the past two or three months. And we saw firsthand, I know Louisville didn't have Carly Jones for that Wisconsin game, but the guys they did have just looked gassed. They just were never able to get into a flow, and it took a little bit of time for them to, to get their steps back. And it's too late in the season for them to be doing that now, but that's kind of the, the hand we've been dealt. So that's where we are. Who knows when they're going to play again? Who knows who's going to be good to go again? But, uh, man, it's just... It just, it, it fucking sucks. There's, yeah. no, there's no way around it. And I mean, like, I look for any silver lining that I can, and there really is none. I guess one, I mean, the fact that we've missed four games, like that's four games that we didn't have to play with Malik Williams, you know, sideline. But again, there's no telling when he's going to be back. I mean, a, a, the, you know, dream scenario would uh to have some of these games rescheduled in in March even though we won't have a ton of time in March before conference tournament starts and maybe you know we can kind of uh hopefully get him back and ingrained before the postseason but again I I have no update on Malik that's just a, a wish list thing for me but um yeah I mean like you said it, it the the thing that really sucks is not be able to I mean they're they're it's almost like basketball is the one sport like 
you know, it's really hard to kind of pick back up if you take like a week or seven to 10 days off because of, you know, not only how good a shape, you know, you have to be in, but um, just kind of your feel for the game as well. It's, it's really hard to get back in the flow. So, you know, <laughs> I know our job is to come on here and, uh, judge and, and, you know, applaud and criticize th- their performance. But I feel like that, you know, their first game or two back uh, as fans, w- we might have to, um, even though it's this late in the season, you know, give the players a little bit of a leash on, on how they perform. Yeah, no question. Um, and as far as Malik Williams is concerned, according to Gaudio, he's been able to go through some of the individual stuff. Uh, I know he's been shooting around a little bit. He's still not able to really jump. Um, so he's obviously not going to be participating in the full team practice today, but they're still hopeful that he could be, I guess, good to get back to full practice maybe next week, uh, late next week. And that to me says, I mean, he's, we're not going to get to a point, even if, let's say that best case scenario happens, Louisville's able to start playing again next week. There are no more pauses. The rest of the season goes as planned. Like, there's no chance in my eyes that Malik Williams plays a single game this year where he's 100%. Like, it's just, it's, it's not going to happen. He's been out for too long. The process is going to take too long for him to get fully rehabilitated. And maybe the injury is back to 100%, but I don't think he'll ever get his playing stamina and, and feel for the game back to where it was when he got hurt last year, which, which sucks. But still a chance he could come back for one more year if he chooses to. No idea if that's going to happen. I know we could talk about that a little bit later, but just, Man, you'd love to see him have a better ending to his season because he's worked so hard to establish himself, not just as more of a lethal offensive player or a more well-rounded offensive player, but as a leader. I mean, he, this was supposed to be his season. He was the captain. He was the guy. He's the one holdover from you know, the Patino era, the pre-Chris Mack era. This was his way to go out on top after all this uh, you know, turbulence, and instead it's just been more heartache and, and more drama for him. So hoping for the best for him, hoping we get to see him this year, but everything you can't bank on anything at this point in time so uh, we'll see what happens with that um I, i'm trying to i don't know what else to say about about where we are right now i, I feel like i had a thought but it's kind of disappeared it just it, it's all kind of uh, i think it'll sucks. one thing to add i mean these after the season decisions are going to be interesting in my mind and no matter what i, I want you know, the player to do what's, what's best for them from, you know, a a living standpoint, a financial standpoint, um, you know, whatever's going to make them happiest. Um, but man, it would be, I mean, personally, obviously and selfishly, it would be so cool for, you know, some of these guys, if they did come back like for another year, like a Malik, uh, or a, a Carly Jones, um, just so, I mean, the fans could show their admiration for what what they've been through for the last couple of years. Um, you know, especially a guy like Malik. Um, I guess and Carly. With I mean, everyone missed the tournament last year, but um, man, I I just wish there was a way that we could show show them like how much they're appreciated. But I don't know if we'll get that opportunity. And if if, if they do move on, obviously we'll, we'll wish them the best. But um, it, it just it sucks all around. Yeah, the only, because people keep, this is one of the common questions that keeps popping up now, the only insight I can give you as far as, uh, I guess, the three seniors on this roster and what they may do, I know for a fact that Carly Jones has at least talked 
with the staff about the potential of him coming back for next year? Just not in a, like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, but just sort of in a, is this possible? What would it entail? How would it look type deal? My guess, if you ask me right now, how do these decisions wind up playing out? I, I would say all three wind up moving on just because all three could play overseas. All three, I mean, Karlik, I think we'll get a look from some NBA teams. Malik could as well. But worst case scenario for all three is they wind up getting paid to play basketball somewhere. Like There's no scenario where they don't have a chance to get paid to play a game. And when you're in your 20s, like you've got a limited window. You only have 10 or 15 years where this is an option for you. You like you can't afford to miss out on a full year of making that type of money, regardless of how much you want to come back and you know be the big man on L's campus or get a chance to play in front of a, a packed KFC Yum Center. I know that it's alluring for all these guys, especially the grad transfers, but you got to think about the, the rest of your lives. And Carly Jones is 23 years old. He's having a fantastic season. He's getting more national attention than he ever has before. He's popping up on a couple of NBA draft boards. Some people see him as a, a second-round pick. I know there's some murmurings about him being a potential two-way contract guy. If he comes back next year as a 24-year-old, six-year grad transfer and has a fantastic season – it's not going to change his pro outlook at all. Like he's he's not going to be. I don't think he could play himself into being like a lottery pick at 24 years old. That's just not not possible. And Malik Williams, he's the one guy who I feel like maybe could come back and, and help himself with one more year. But he's also a four year senior. He's he's getting up there in age, at least relative to you know professional basketball player rookies. Uh, standing and then Charles Menlin, I, I know he would love to have a full season here, but uh, same type deal. So I, if I had to guess, I would say all three choose to move on, but no guarantees. I think the more likely scenario, as far as this extra year of eligibility is concerned, is that three years down the line, two years down the line, you see a guy like um, like Quinn Slezinski or one of the other players from that class say. I'm going to use this extra year to play a fifth season here at Louisville. Like, I've played my four years. I feel like I'm becoming a really good college player. I'm coming back for one more. I think that's more likely than one of these current seniors choosing to come back. But that's, again, just all all speculation. Um, Anything to add there, Dan, before we move on? No, you just shit all over my hopes and dreams. So um, that's pretty much (laughs) – No, I totally get it. I mean, you're right. It's just, you know, like I said, it's a selfish thought, but – um, if I was in their shoes, uh, I, I definitely would would have to look at all my options and see what's going to be best for me. So, I mean, you're completely right. Speaking of shitting all over dreams, I was a little bit. You let me know that you were ready to go tape the pod. I was a few minutes late. I I, I have I've got to I have to bring this up because I can't get my mind on anything else right now. Did you know that Chuck E. Cheese, the character, not the actual kids restaurant has a full-on backstory did you know this i had no idea i had no idea either and it's the saddest goddamn thing i've ever heard in my entire life so this is i swear to god i'm not making this up you can google search this after you listen to the podcast this is the Chuck E. cheese backstory i'll 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 read part of this first of all he's referred to as charles e cheese um and (laughs) do you know what the e stands for in the name by chance Electric. I don't know. Entertainment. Oh, his okay. name is Charles Entertainment Cheese. Uh, that's his his full name. But this is the actual Chuck E. Cheese backstory. Quote: Chuck's official backstory is that he is an orphaned mouse who does not know his own birthday. He was orphaned. His orphanage was called Saint Marinara's Orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this like a mockumentary no, type right up? 
is a real thing. Uh, to make up for never having a birthday party of his own, he hosts parties for children. That's the whole theme of the restaurant. After winning a Pong tournament, Chuck moved to New York and started working as a singer at an Italian restaurant where he also met and befriended a musically inclined chef named Pasquale as the drummer. Eventually, he moved to California and created his own restaurant franchise with Pasquale becoming his star chef and later joining his band. The two would go on to find others to join the band, eventually recruiting a talented vocalist named Helen Henney, a purple keyboardist named Mr. Munch, who loves pizza, and a country music-loving guitarist bloodhound named Jasper T. Jowles. That's Chuck E. Cheese, orphan mouse, who, to make up for his shitty childhood, hosts birthday parties for other kids because he doesn't know his own birthday party. His birthday. Yeah. Is that, is that not incredible? I mean, turn down if you got kids in the car, but I don't know what's going to be worse, breaking the, the Santa Claus news or letting my kid know that Chuck E. Cheese had a rough childhood. If you look at, like, the actual Chuck E. Cheese, too, like the the, the photo of him on any sort of logo, he looks like he's been through some shit. Like, the, the, there's a smile, but the, the eyes are a little bit sad. Like, he's... He's happy for you. He's glad. He's looking down on you. He's glad that you're coming inside for your birthday party. But at the same time, he realizes that there's a a hole in his heart that he'll never be able to completely fill back up. And that's uh, that's the Chuck E. Cheese story. That's the American franchise that we that is synonymous with childhood in this country. Unbelievable. I guess you probably haven't yet because Virginia's just becoming of like the age where you can kind of go out and do stuff like that. And we're in the middle of a pandemic, but I was going to ask you if, if you had attended Chuck E. Cheese with your daughter yet. No, I mean, yeah, like you said, like we haven't really been able to do very much of anything. We did, you know, the zoo and, and a couple of times, most of the zoo is still closed and you have to sign up for times and you got to be uh, socially distanced and all that stuff. We went to the Newport aquarium, same type deal, but we have, you know, we, have, we haven't done any big inside stuff besides. Yeah. The, I guess, we, we, I mean, when I lived in Louisville, we took Cam and, uh, my, he's now six. I mean, we took him when he was like three. I mean, that place just does something to kids. I don't know what it is, but I mean, it just shoots a jolt of electricity right through a kid's body. They like become a different person in there with all the games and the pizza and the characters. Um, can't say it was my favorite place to be, but, uh, he was pretty happy, but, um, yeah, there's the, the Chuck E. Cheese like stories out there about how they had to like stop serving beer and everything. It's uh, there's some good ones out there. The the fights are, um, you know, pretty entertaining. I feel like around here, like when we were growing up, there was a Chuck E. Cheese. I remember there being a Chuck E. Cheese when we were very young, and then like like I think it closed. The only one that was in town closed when we were like six or seven, and so Gaddyland kind of took over. Like Gaddyland was the place we went to as kids. Oh yeah. What really took over was the, um, like the sh- uh, what was it? leaps and bounds, like those types of places. Yeah, you, Discovery like, Zone, leaps exactly. and bounds. Yeah, yeah the, those were the big party places when we were growing up. And then I think right when we like got back to high school, Chuck E. Cheese came back. But still, I was a Gaddyland kid, uh, big on Gaddies. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, Gaddies. I think the only uh, maybe I'm wrong. I think the only one is kind of. Uh, I want to say, is it out in like Shively? I don't remember, but it's, I know there's not one kind of over, uh, on the east end at least. Yeah, the Gaddy Land that was off Westport Road closed a few years ago, and that was the day the music died. We actually, the last high school dance that I think both of us went to, I know it was the last high school dance I went to, we went to Gaddy Land before we went. Um, we, we, we snuck in alcohol to Gaddy Land. This is we true. Did. This is a actual fact, and I actually, we, 
I got caught with alcohol in the bathroom. The guy didn't care, but it was pretty embarrassing. Uh, and then I also like got my finger black and blue from uh, air hockey game, which was great. <laughs> Just starting to play baseball. Like baseball season started in like a week. Uh, this is we were not mature, responsible. We were not. No. no that's, don't listen, kids. Uh, we asked for a bunch of Twitter questions. We're going to get into those in just a second, but before we do that, reminding you guys, again, this podcast brought to you by Homefield Apparel. I'm sure Homefield very excited to be attached to uh, the podcast, openly talking about underage drinking and Chuck E. Cheese's backstory. <laughs> but they continue to sponsor us regardless of the content of this podcast, and we love them for it. Have you seen, Dan, the new shirt that Homefield put out this week? Um, I don't know if I, I, I mean, I've seen shirts. I don't know if I've seen the new one this week, but I know everything they have is, you know, looks fresh to death. So the new one this week is UC Irvine. They are famous. Oh, I did see it. It's yes. incredible. It's it incredible. really is. It's awesome. So UC Irvine, the Anteaters, if that name sounds familiar, remember we played them back in the first round in 2015 and almost lost because they had an eight foot five center. Uh, but they are the Anteaters, and the latest Home Field Apparel shirt is a surfing UC Irvine Anteater shirt. It is glorious. If you know, even if you have no affiliation with UC Irvine or the West Coast or Big West basketball, that shirt's got your name all over it. If you want more Cardinal gear, of course they've got you covered there. They've got the best retro Cardinal gear you can find anywhere on the internet, anywhere, anywhere. Period. Uh, they've got the softest hoodies, the best T-shirts best tank tops, the best normal sweatshirts. You can find all that stuff at homefieldapparel.com. They always have cool deals. The deal they've got going on right now is still using that promo code CARDCHRONICLE, all one word at checkout. It's going to save you 30% off your order, 20% off your order, I should say. They've had more deals going on. We actually had a, a special deal set up uh, a couple a week ago that we were going to unveil, but had to shelve it because the, the men's basketball team is on pause. When they get back in action, we're going to bust that deal out, and you guys are going to be excited about it. So, again, gear up with Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. See the full selection of college apparel that they've got going on there. Uh, the designs are awesome. You can lose a full day on that website, homefieldapparel.com. We thank them, as always, for sticking it out with us and sponsoring this podcast and sponsoring the website as well. All right, Dan, you ready for some Twitter questions? Let's do it. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, see, people, I should have looked at this because every question is just about, like, is Louisville ever going to play basketball again? Is Louisville ever going to play basketball again? And we don't have the answer to it. Uh, we, here's a here's a simplified question. HR Paperstack says, can we win it all if we get hot or can we at least go to a Final Four? And the the obvious answer to this question, because like you said, like, We've, we've played all these games. We were on this pause. And I think there's still a lot of question about, is this team any good? We, we don't really know. But there has been, in every NCAA tournament out of the last 13, besides two, there has been a seven seed or worse make the Final Four. So whenever we – and I do this more than anybody, so I'm criticizing myself here. But whenever we qualify teams as that's a second weekend team or that's a potential Final Four team or they look like a uh, second-round exit team, it's kind of silly because – Everything changes once we get a bracket. Everything changes once that bracket falls apart a little bit. You don't have to be a great team to make a Final Four. You just have to be a team that's hitting their stride and gets a little bit lucky. Look at South Carolina a couple of years ago. Look at uh, you know that VCU team back in 2011. Loyal Chicago was an 11 seed. There have been just kind of okay teams make the Final Four in recent years. In fact, it happens at least once more times than not. So, yeah, I mean, I, with Louisville having two guards as good as they have, with Samuel Williamson looking like he's coming around a little bit, if they get a good draw and a couple of breaks along the way, they could potentially make a Final Four. I don't think that they could be a national championship team. Like, I think that that's 
taking things a little bit too far. And would I would I wager even a dollar at this point on Louisville making a Final Four? Absolutely not. But I'm not going to completely rule it out because the tournament's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Anything can happen in March. I mean, if you gave me like a percentage chance of them making the Final Four, I would say maybe you know five five to ten percent. Um, and I I would put even lower for a national title. Um, but I mean, again, anything can happen. It kind of depends on the draw. We could get hot at the certain time. We could just run into some teams that aren't playing well. Um, I know it's a cliche answer, but I mean, I just, I don't see it from my point of view right now. I, I mean, I, I know we have good guards. I, I think our, our front court would have to improve dramatically from now until the tournament. Um, but hey, you never know. That's why, that's why they play it. If I asked you right now, and again, I know this, these are impossible questions to answer, but most likely tournament outcome for this team, and again, that's assuming that this team does make the NCAA tournament. If they come back and they're a little bit, uh, you know, struggling because of COVID issues and they drop a couple of games they shouldn't, then they're squarely on the NCAA tournament bubble. The resume isn't quite that strong. But let's assume for the sake of assuming that they do make the NCAA tournament, what's the most likely tournament result in your eyes for this team? I mean... Hopefully I don't catch too much heat for this. I would say probably a second round exit. Like that's, I think that's what I would say too. They would be favored in their first game, probably around like a six, seven, or eight seed is my guess where they would fall. Um, and then they'd probably run into a, a higher seed in the second round. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say until the draw, but if you had to ask, I'd say the second round. Yeah, it's, it's impossible to say, but it, that would be my guess right now too. They feel like a kind of a win a, a tight 7-10 game. Although we always suck in the 7-10 game. I think it's the only like round where we've played multiple games and have not won. I think we're 0-4 or 0-5 all time in this, in the 7-10 game. So whatever, but it, they do kind of feel like a team that could win that type of game and then get beat by a better team in the second half. It's round. like we all That's know what happened in the last 8-9 game we played in where the game was basically over five minutes in when we got down like 20-whatever to Cal. Yeah. Um, that was that was a nightmare. Yeah, a lot of fun. Great. This is, this is the most downer podcast we've ever had. I know. It's not even God. close. Sorry, not even folks. Close um, two kind of related questions here. We'll take the first one from Mark who says, uh, at this point in time, would you take Baylor and Gonzaga or the field? Um, I'll, well, I'll let you answer first. Go, go ahead. Um, God, I would take Baylor and Gonzaga. And I mean, I am so high on Baylor. I mean, they just look unbe- They look like one of the better when they're like clicking. They look like one of the better teams I've seen. I feel like in the last 10 years. Yeah, I, I'm sure that if you like, like if uh, if you could qualify, quantify this, the statistics would say, God, I'm stumbling all over my words here. The stats I'm sure would say there's a more likely chance that the other 66 teams, or if you want to expand it out to everybody in Division One, the other 355 teams will have better odds of winning a national title than Baylor and Gonzaga. But I'm with you at this point. Like I, Baylor and Gonzaga, to me, are so much better than the rest of the country. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if you told me that one of those teams slips up and, and doesn't make it to the Final Four or doesn't make it to the title game, but I would be surprised if you told me that one of those two teams doesn't win at all. Like I, I think that they are just that much better than everybody else, so... I'm with you. It might be a stupid bet, but I would take Baylor and Gonzaga right now. That leads into the second question here from Josh, who says, which game would you dread more, Louisville versus Gonzaga or Louisville versus Baylor? 
it would be Baylor. I mean, I, I'll admittedly I've watched more Baylor games than Gonzaga this year. Um, I mean, they both can I mean score with ease, but I mean Baylor just has some absolute dudes on their team, especially in the backcourt. I mean, it, it just seems like they have so many options. Um, and if their backcourt's not beating you, beating you up, the front court will. I mean, I cannot believe we are at this point with Scott Drew. If you would have told me this 10 years ago, I would have been like, okay, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I five thought he was, ago. yeah, you're right, five years ago. But I mean, I, I need to eat my words and credit to him because my God, they look like an absolute juggernaut. I really think that the, like the Baylor turnaround moment, I swear <laughs> was to God. It was against us. It was against us. I swear <laughs> to God, it was the championship of the battle for Atlantis in 2017. Like, it, I made, or 2016. I made fun of him that entire week leading up to the game. We got up by like 22 or whatever that was, and they came back. And ever since then, they've been a goddamn, like, unstoppable force. And that's him. Like, they, they don't even do the whole thing where they're cheating to get top five, five recruits anymore who, kind of go through the motions and play like he's doing everything by the book and he's winning. It's it's unbelievable what he's been able to accomplish down there. I'm still going to go. I mean, I feel like our defense couldn't stop Gonzaga and our offense couldn't score on Baylor, but I feel like we are a better defensive team than we are an offensive team. So I guess you just try your hand against Gonzaga, man. I don't, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'd pick, I, I would dread the Baylor game more. I'm with you. I, I think we'd have a slightly better chance against Gonzaga, but we also have a better chance of losing that game by, like, 60 than I think we would against Baylor. Uh, but either way, I, I'd prefer I, I to I don't know. Yeah, I, I just – I don't know. We're not, like, the most overly athletic team. And I'm not saying Gonzaga doesn't have athletes. Like, of course they do. But, like, Baylor just has a plethora of athletes. Like, even coming off the bench, I'm like – where did where did he find these guys? I mean, because some of them aren't even like, like you said, like super highly touted recruits. And I mean, they look like a combination of like, you know, every tight end that played, you know, basketball in college that went on to the NFL, and they can all shoot. It's it's truly unbelievable. All right, I, I've got to do it. Plethora. Oh God, let's just move on. It's, it's plethora. Plethora, plethora, plethora. <laughs> How close was I? Mike, I was, I literally was like, did I just get away with that? <laughs> it's one of those, I do this shit all the time now with like recruits names. It's one of those words that I guess you read a lot, but you don't actually hear. I, I, I totally, I don't fault you for it, but I couldn't let it go. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't just move on without acknowledging the fact that plethora was just said on the podcast. Fair enough. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> If you want to give me heat on Twitter because I'm expanding my vocabulary, go right ahead. <laughs> I appreciate the gall it took to just step out on the ledge and, and say it, though. That was impressive. You're, you're, a, <laughs> you're an like example. I'm, like, crumbling up my yeah. list of, like, adjectives that I have laid out in front of me. I'm like, oh, I guess I don't need these anymore. <laughs> just slams the dictionary <laughs> shut off camera. Um <laughs> Dre says, in honor of Valentine's Day, what's a time you attempted to be romantic that went totally sideways? Do you oh, just... uh, well, I guess it was on uh, Valentine's Day. It was like four or five years ago. I'll, I'll know. We played NC State at home, and we lost. Um, I, I was there, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, I was going to 
go to I didn't go to the game. I stayed home with Kim and we're like, all right, we're going to go to the fresh market and, you know, pick out like a nice meal um, and, and come back and cook it. While we were there, we had like samples of like some like brie or something. And like we got home and just like both were knocked out with food poisoning within like five minutes. It was an absolute disaster. Um, my dad had to come pick up Cam, who was like one at the time, because each of us were like throwing up in a different bathroom. Sorry, I hope she's not listening, but it was it was terrible. That's a good one. Um, I mean, the first thing that came to my mind for me was trying to move the mattresses and knocking over the Christmas tree <laughs> back in in December. <laughs> Uh, if you missed that episode of the podcast, check it out. It was it was it was very very bad. Like that was awful. But I also so the very first Valentine's Day that Mary and I had when we first started dating. This was I guess God like we're old. Like 2009 um, would be the first Valentine's Day we had together. Like, I was really excited. Like relationship was going well. We both were super into it. Like I went all out. Like got her uh, like some some new earrings that I I couldn't afford at that time in my life like the heart full on heart shaped box uh, of chocolates from Muse like all the all this stuff and she'd been working a bunch and traveling a bunch so she hadn't really been home and so I give her this stuff on Valentine's Day morning and she's all you know I'm thinking she's gonna be super excited but she hadn't gotten my gift yet so she just kind of felt bad about herself and it, it basically like ruined the entire day like I thought I was gonna be this big hero it just put her in a bad mood because she felt like she didn't do anything she she had nothing to give me back and I was like it's okay like we're so she's like no it's like she not even excited about her own stuff it was a total backfire it was awful poor was Mary like, way to just show her up that's just yeah that's bad she, husbanding right there she gave me tennis shoes like uh like two weeks later i was like oh there you go thanks it's like These oh a blender like, yeah it's like <laughs> I, it's like no you gave me this it's like oh this exact one i love it this model uh yeah that was that it's pretty much how it felt uh d says who will be the next former cardinal to win an nba championship um i feel like i know that the the jazz are rolling right now and, and donovan mitchell's playing on a different level but it still feels like the safest bet is Trez with the Lakers. Am I wrong? Hundred, I mean, 100%. And I'll bet Vegas agrees with you, too. I haven't looked at the NBA odds. But, I mean, I have no doubt in my mind, even though the Jazz are off to this blazing start, that the Lakers are probably title favorites. So I would give the edge to him. Yeah. I mean, you still got Gorgs out there. you got Terry with the Hornets, who are... I, think I could see Terry getting traded to a contender this year because yeah. they brought in uh, Ball, you know, in the draft. They still have Devontae Graham, um, so I, I've I've read rumors how he might might be a nice fit with like the Bucks or something like that. Which I would love. Terry's having an unbelievable year. If if you haven't been paying attention, he's he's really stepped up his game, um, but. I don't know. Yeah, I would say Trez is probably the safe pick. Yeah, you've also got Damian Lee, who's getting like legit minutes for the Warriors right now. Do you see him call Luka Doncic a little ass boy? Last I week? did. Yeah, Damian's like got a ton of uh, you know footage this year. He had a game winning three against Chicago. Yeah, like wow. you said, the Luka. So um, good for Damian. I love it. Why do former Cardinals hate Luka? Like this is you. You had uh, Trez getting a little bit of heat after calling him. What do you say, bitch ass white boy? Was that what it was after? His yeah. Day? And then now, I, 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 I mean, I don't watch enough NBA, but I, I do hear that he's kind of he he whines a lot um, from from what I've I've read and heard. But I mean, it doesn't take away the fact that he's like a top five player. He's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I like Luca, but now I feel like I feel like I sort of contractually have to be on 
the other side of, of his fandom because global <laughs> players keep yelling at him. But what are you going to do? Uh, Chris says, can you show us some snow picks on the podcast? No, we, we can't make that happen. We can put them in the notes. But yeah, there are, if you are a Louisvillian, you've been inundated with, with, uh, snow picks for the last couple of weeks. They've been everywhere. Uh, let's see here. Dom says, do you think people would challenge dunks more often if they weren't afraid of people saying they got postered? Yeah. I oh, mean, I, yeah. I mean, it, it, you, it's, it's obvious when you see people make a business decision at the rim. Um, and I mean, you're exactly right. They, they don't want to end up on the wrong side of, uh, you know, sports center. So I, I 100% agree. Yeah. If it, if it wasn't a huge deal, they would be challenging it all the time. Uh, Lamar says, Hearst Burn or Hearst Born? That's a good question. I think it's Hearst Burn. Like, I say Hearst Burn too, like Hearst Burn Country Club. Hearst Burn yeah. Hearst Burn Life. I think that I, I would venture to say most people in Louisville say it that way, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I'm Hearst Burn. I think it's probably, yeah, I bet it's probably split, but it's one of those deals where, I mean, I, I guess based on the way it's spelled, it probably should be Hearst Born. Yeah. But, Sounds but like, it's also like Jason Louisville. Born, but it's like Hearst. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. We say everything wrong in the state. Like it should be Louisville. It's named after King Louis. It should be Versailles because it's named after Versailles. Should, should be plethora. Not plethora. <laughs> it should be, but it's plethora. It's a, yeah. clearly it's the podcast pronunciation. LSF says, what would happen if Tom Crean became the head coach of DePaul? I'd be the happiest person alive. <laughs> you would like spontaneously combust. That would be, that would almost be too much for you to handle. It really would be. Like it's one of those things where like you get your wildest dream. You know, if you were like a, a 16 year old who got your shot with like Carmen Electra back in the day, like you wouldn't know what to do. You, it would just, it would end up being embarrassing for you. Like I'd be so excited about it. Dude, Tom Green with the ball. Like I would, in a very sporty sense, blow my load in five seconds because I wouldn't have any, like, I, I, it would just be too much for me. I, I couldn't. I couldn't compute. I wouldn't be able you to would, put like, out any secretly contact. go to games. I'd like call you. I'd be like, "Is that a train in the background?" <laughs> be like, "Oh, I, no, I'm, I'm not. No, I don't know." It's like Mary's like, "He's in Chicago." I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he bought season tickets like right behind the bench. <laughs> oh oh man, that's hilarious. Yeah, I just I, I couldn't help it. Let's see here. Uh, Two part question: One is your text tone the Keontae Vernon call? Two. Why not? Uh, I actually have back-to-back questions here about the Grand Canyon game. From Has, has a non-conference game against a low-level opponent ever generated a more lasting memory than that Grand Canyon game? I mean, it had everything. Like the crazy student section, the scroll across the bottom where you could tweet in and get on TV. Uh, the fact that it was unnecessarily close was not great. And then the Keontae Vernon call at the end of the game. Man, what a... What a bizarre scheduling move that that wound up giving us some long lasting memory. Was it like a Saturday day game? No, it was like it was Saturday, but it was late at night. Was it? Okay. Yeah. God, I don't know why I thought it. maybe we played them at home during the day. That was it. Um, yeah, we played them I think four times, right? And we it's either three or four because we got multiple home games and we had to go out there one time was the deal. And uh, shout out to Thunder Dan Marley, the old coach of Grand Canyon, getting it done. Do you have any idea as of right now, Dan? Who Grand Canyon's head coach is? Oh, zero. I couldn't. I couldn't even guess. I would, Jeff Hornacek. It's a relatively well-known name. Bryce Drew is the current coach at Grand Canyon. Okay. All right. I after mean, the, uh, the they ran him out of Vandy, right? Yeah. Yeah. After like what one year or a year? That and was half? Like, yeah, and he had 
Darius Garland who got hurt like early in the year and uh, that was that was totally an unfair firing and I mean Stackhouse is I know it's only his what is it second year he hasn't really done much so they, they might have pulled yeah might have pulled the trigger too early there. Randy doesn't seem to make very good sports decisions outside of baseball. It seems like like everything they do with football and basketball seems to be the opposite of what you want to do if you're a Power Five conference program. But we digress. Uh, UFL basketball fan says, "When will Coach K cancel Duke season due to COVID?" With due to COVID in quotes. Um, yeah, I, I was shocked. I watched a little bit of the Notre Dame game when it was on at four o'clock a couple of days ago. Left to walk the dog, thinking that they had the game well in hand. Got home to see that they lost. I think the final was 93 to 89, and now they are below 500 for the first time since November of 1999. Um, like, here's a serious answer to a not serious question. I don't think Coach K would would cancel even if he wanted to, even if he legitimately felt concern over like the health of his players right now because the, of the optics. Like everybody would say the exact same thing. Everybody would have the exact same joke. And I, I don't think he wants to deal with that. Like, I, I think he'll play through the season, one, because he also thinks there's a possibility that all these teams could opt out of the ACC tournament and Duke could actually win it and, and save their season. And two, I don't think he just wants to be made fun of as much as he would get made fun of if that happened. Yeah, I mean, this this one-and-done deal um, is going to be interesting in the upcoming years, and it, it could just you know, be that there wasn't that transcending, you know, I, I know this is like cliche, but that transcending superstar like a Zion or an Anthony Davis, and, and maybe that's why these, you know, like a UK or a Duke struggled. But it'll be interesting to see the route that they go moving forward, especially with like the new transfer rule coming into play, if, if they're going to rely more on transfers versus trying to get these one and dones. Although like I think it's dumb to think like they're not gonna recruit the best players. Of course they are. Um or try to recruit the best players, but I don't know how much they're gonna want to rely on having a roster full of, you know, mostly all freshmen and maybe like one sophomore sprinkled in because I mean unless you have an absolute stud, it it looks to be real tough. Yeah, for sure. Um Speaking of which, Jeremy says, if you had the number one pick in next uh, this spring's NBA draft, who do you take? Um, I, I love Cade Cunningham. I love Evan Mobley at USC. I wouldn't hesitate. I would take Jalen Suggs, number one. I, I think he's the most – like when I watch him, I watched most of the Gonzaga-BYU game the other night, and there was a five-minute stretch where he just did whatever the hell he wanted to. He is so good. He looks so different from every type of player that Gonzaga's had. I can't. I'm not going to pretend like I've seen the Jonathan Kuminga kid play, or the other kids who, who have gone the G League route, or the other kids who, who aren't playing in college right now that are draft eligible. But to me, the best player I've seen in college from a like NBA potential standpoint is Jalen Suggs. I think I think he's just fantastic. I've seen more of Suggs than I have, have Cunningham, and I've not seen a ton of Mobley, although. He seems to have like the prototypical NBA body um, that everyone's looking for, but I don't know. I mean, Cade Cunningham, he's he's a pretty cool customer. I mean, mm-hmm. to to have them, you know, had, for Oklahoma State to kind of be where they're at. I, I mean, I don't think it would be anywhere close without him, obviously. Um, so I I would probably be safe and pick him, but I don't think you'd go wrong with either of them. 
Yeah, this is going to be a loaded draft class. I feel like we, you're going to have five or six guys in this class that are going to be stars in the NBA. I throw Sharif Cooper in there as well, like for Auburn. I mean, oh yeah, he he's is, real good. His numbers are outrageous since he got eligible, and you kind of wonder if Bruce Pearl wishes he could take back the postseason ban, maybe <laughs> because like they've actually gotten kind of okay since Cooper got eligible, and you wonder if Pearl's like, yeah, can we uh, can we revoke that? It was self-imposed, but uh, whatever. I know Oklahoma State is fighting to get there postseason ban they're, they're fighting to elongate the appeal so hopefully it can stretch into next year and they can just go ahead and play in the tournament this year but um yeah you feel like you have to take advantage when you got a kid like Cade Cunningham I wish the NCAA would stop kicking out teams that have the most talented players in the country that everybody wants to watch like the casual sports fan who's going to tune into March Madness they want to see Cade Cunningham play like they want to see him in the tournament like I, I wish we could just give them that option they wanted to see um you know, who was the James Wiseman play last year? And the NCAA keeps doing this bullshit, but whatever. Uh, what are you going to do? All right. Uh, I don't think we have any time for any more questions. We've rambled on here long enough. Do you have a Dan of the Dump story for this week, Dan? I mean, I, God, I, I'm an idiot. Like, that guy, no, I didn't even prepare <laughs> one. That guy was totally right with his write-up. I mean, this whole two weeks has been in the Dan of the Dumps. I'm, like, just dying without a game. I mean, it's there's, I, I mean, I, it's snowing. I don't leave the house. Uh, you know, there's, there's really nothing else to say. I think it's been a, a day in the dumps for just about everyone, probably for our listeners as well. So hopefully we get out of this soon. And, uh, you know, in the next week or so, things start looking up again. It was a January in the dumps. Uh, I, I wish it was, it's more February, but still January works, but I'm with you. I'll allow it. That sounds fair. I mean, it's, this is a whole two week span has been a in-the-dumps period for every local fan. Uh, we remind you again, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do that. It helps us. I think we have uh, 576 ratings uh, on the Apple app, which is fantastic. If you give us a rating, we always appreciate that. It helps the podcast get out there. And we love when you leave reviews, even if they're saying bad things about us or just stupid things about whatever. We love reading them on the podcast. One new review for this week, Little Bonnie B says, Congratulations, Twitter finally gave you a check mark. Oh, and great podcast. Yeah, did you see, Dan, I am now verified on Twitter. I don't like it. I, for some reason, I thought you were already verified. but I don't like it. I mean, I, I would if I was verified, I would literally like post a big sign outside my house saying I was verified. That's how excited I'd be. So um, credit to you for being humble about it, but that's a, that's a, a, a really big deal. It's not. No, it's really not, though. Like, you, like, it there is. Are people, it's a big deal. No, like, every blog now at SB Nation, like, they're verified. Like, every, like, newscaster who has, like, 400 followers gets verified. Like, I told this story on Gris Podcast, but five years ago at SB Nation, they asked everybody, you know, do you want to be verified? Twitter's asking, and most people did. I was one of the few people who was like, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't want it to happen. I felt like I didn't deserve it. It wasn't as big of a deal back then. Back then, the only people who were verified were, you know, like, Chrissy Teigen, and then, like, you know, Ashton Kutcher. It was like five people. I feel like I did not belong in that elite group. And then everybody started getting verified, and I kind of felt bad about it because you can, like, search only verified tweets, and you can filter stuff through only blue check mark stuff. But they didn't even ask me this time. Like, I, it just kind of happened, and I was like, okay. But Let I, me ask you this. Is there is there one tweet that either got the most likes or, like, really put you on the map to start collecting, like, a ton of followers that you can specifically remember? No. I, I, I have, I have no idea. I, I know I can remember some of the ones that have gone big, but I don't like most of those huge tweets. Like, don't generate you a lot of followers anymore. Like, people just like it and they move on. 
um, followers typically just come from people who want to see Louisville stuff or want to see college basketball stuff. So I know it's a, a terrible answer, but yeah, I don't think that really happened. It's like, I'm not trying to lay out a blueprint to get more followers or anything. I was just wondering. <laughs> I was like, what's he, what's he after? He wants a plethora of Twitter followers. It's after a new plethora. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything else to add. I, we got the, uh, the women's game tonight here in about three hours. It's senior night for Dana Evans. Uh, again, one of the only cool things about not, ha- not writing as much about college basketball this year as I have uh, the last 10 years when I was getting paid to do it, is I've been able to watch the women more. Um, excited for that game. Excited to say uh, farewell to Dana Evans, who's been one of the greatest cards of all time to do it. Hopefully we can move back uh, closer. I think they'll be number two next week if they win this game since UConn uh, knocked off South Carolina earlier this week. But besides that, man, Louisville baseball, preseason favorite in the ACC, we should say that. I think they're in t- everybody's preseason top ten. That's getting underway in a couple of weeks. So at least there'll be more Cardinal games to look forward to. But, man, we got to get the men's basketball team back out there. Even if, I, I think most Louisville fans would rather see this team go out and play, even if they're going to lose right now. Like, like watching losing U of L basketball is better than no U of L basketball this late in the season. I think that's where. Oh, most I, they would. I mean, I think any fan would take like if they're like, oh, we only have six scholarship players available. Like, I mean, get I, them out sorry, there. Yeah, sorry to the kids. Like, you're gonna be <laughs> winded, but we're 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 really itching for something over here. Haven't played in three weeks. I don't hope you're ready for forty minutes, Carly. We don't care. You're not Get your up. ass up the court. Come on. If David Johnson takes one possession off, I'm turning the tail. He's gonna play every night. God, yeah, we, we need this to get to get fixed. But that's where we are. Thank you for hanging with us. We didn't want to go a full week without a podcast, so I know it's a little bit different than what we usually do. Oh, and I should mention you threw this out there as a possibility, Dan. I kinda like the idea. If for some reason this pause gets extended and, and the next game gets postponed, we were talking about maybe doing a another one of the group rewatches, like we did over the summer, where we all rewatched the Louisville Marquette game from '03, and then Dan got on, Dan and I got on here and we talked about it and kind of shared our our memories and, and then the actual thoughts on on rewatching the game and what surprised us and what didn't. Maybe we can do that again next week as sort of a, a time killer. If you have an idea for what game you'd like us to review. You can leave it in the review section. You can tweet it at us. Uh, do whatever you want. At Card Chronicle, at DanZone85. Uh, we'll take all requests there. And, again, if we have to, to do that early next week because there's not another Louisville men's basketball game, we can make that happen. But uh, any parting thoughts here, Dan, before we say goodbye? Nope. I'm just, uh, yeah, crossing my fingers that uh, Saturday is the last postponement. Hope everyone's getting healthy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I know the players – uh, I'm sure they probably think they're like on an island just recovering from this, but uh, they, they do have everyone behind them. So uh, I hope that gives them a little motivation heading back in here uh, once they start practicing. All right, everybody. Keep the faith. Stay positive. Stay warm. Go Cards. Go Cards. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.